Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And we are very excited to have two very special guests with us today. We have Ian's favorite ex boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, I'm John, Ian's favorite ex boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a cosplayer and RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8 contestant. Dax exclamation point. You're welcome. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're so happy to have you both here. Uh, Two first time guests. Um, John, you can go first with uh, your Buffy origin story. Oh, gosh. Well, I uh, I was like a casual Buffy watcher in middle school and high school and uh, like was super drawn to that like strong female lead type of thing. But I became like more diehard when uh, I watched all of it all over again with you and our like little Scooby gang in New Jersey. So <laughs> yeah, I had to go back and rewatch this one. I was like, okay, like do a good job. <laughs> uh, Dax, what's your Buffy origin? I mean, um, I love the original movie with Christy Swanson, obviously because it was campy. It was fun. Uh, anything with a girl wearing a prom dress fighting the undead, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> So then when the TV show premiered, like, it was advertised like, backs of comic books and stuff when uh, I was growing up. And so I was like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's back again. And so I ran home from school uh, on the day it premiered on, um, what, the WB. Yeah. And I was like, don't talk to me, don't call me, I'm doing my thing. And it became, like, my, like, like Tuesday or, 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 no, I think it was actually Mondays. It's like my Monday ritual. Like, that was, like, my show. That's my story. I'm going to watch it all the time. Um <laughs> And I just never, I never stop watching. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Matthew, would you like to begin? So, yeah, so this episode starts... Oh, uh, wait, we didn't even say the name of the episode. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we're clearly very organized. So today we're here to discuss season five's Shadow. <laughs> yes, and um, Shadow starts uh, with Joyce getting a CAT scan at the hospital, <sighs> and Don and Buffy kind of talking, well... Dawn kind of asking what a CAT scan is and Buffy looking very annoyed with her. Is it cat-shaped? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to even look at... Because, you know, one of the things, I think, before Dawn gets, like, super annoying in, like, season six, it's actually... It's funny. I always feel like Buffy is way too hard on her in season five. My issue with Dawn has always just been that, like, they write her so young. I'm like, she's 14. When yeah. Buffy was 14, she was already fighting evil and, like, doing stuff and, like, living her life and having friends. Dawn is, like, they're right like, a seven-year-old and always kind of bugged me. So, I mean, like, yeah. I don't think Buffy's hard on her. It's just, like, they kind of need that dichotomy so Buffy can kind of take on, take on that, like, you know, matriarchal kind of role as Joyce is, you know, kind of um, sinking into the background, you know? I don't know. It's, it's always been really confusing to me because it's, like, on one hand, it's, like, Buffy is hard on her. But on the other hand, it's, like, she is saying really annoying shit all the time. And it's, like, girl. Shut up. Like, <laughs> I just, I also, th- I don't know. I feel like for like, I mean, you're right that they're writing her younger. Cause I don't know if like a 14 year old is, is asking about a cat scan in those, que- in those terms. Like it does feel like the way like a seven or eight year old talks about like a term they don't understand. But I think it's like, at the same time, I always feel like that's her way of processing, just like asking questions. And Buffy looks so annoyed with her just for asking about a cat scan. And I'm just like, give her a break. Like, <laughs> her mom is sick too. She's yeah. only been her mom for like five months, but, but so, still. <laughs> so I, I thought it was cute. Cause I do think Dawn just has word vomit. Like, I feel like 
Dawn just is someone that when she's nervous or upset, she just talks a lot. Um, and I can kind of relate to that. Uh, but also I wanted to point out that I think Joyce going in for the cat scan, that like camera angle and like Joyce's whole position kind of mirrors the body. Yeah. Yeah. Where they yeah. like are just showing you like her flat on the ground. Um, so for me, I was just like, Oh, this is all upsetting to watch. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, even no matter what happens, you know, it's not going to turn out well. You're like, Oh shit, she's going to die. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Well, it's I, interesting to watch it. I mean, cause we were just talking last week about when we first watched the show and like the first time you watch it, you're kind of like, there's no way that they're going to kill Joyce. And then now watching it as an adult and knowing what's coming, you're like, Ugh, this is all so hard. <laughs> it's the worst. Like, and like, I think that you kind of see that Joyce doesn't serve a function anymore. Like, even as a kid watching it, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to kill her mom off. Like, this is the worst <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, she was literally just a plot device for the for the majority of like the beginning of it. But then, I mean, they tried to flesh her out and give her, you know, substance. But it's like. She was just always just like Bobby's mom, just like the mom you try to keep secrets from because you're secretly a superhero. Um, and then they kind of try to change it, but it, once Joyce knew the secret, it wasn't as compelling. Yeah. Like watching Bobby, like between like you know her school life and her home life, is more real. Like as a teenager growing up, it's like you know you don't tell your mom absolutely everything, you know. And then once Joyce was kind of out of the secret, it's kind of like, well, that was that's not fun anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then we cut to the magic box. Uh, we kind of get a lot here in this opening. Uh, and I do appreciate, you know, Xander and Willow are talking about the fact that Riley went to a vamp nest without them, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, am I right, Giles? And Giles is like, uh, most certainly not. But to be fair, I wasn't listening. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And this episode actually has, like, low-key some really good Anya development. Because, uh-huh. um, you know, we get her being excited about the magic box ad. And then we get her saying that, like, you know, she's not that mad at Riley because she didn't want to start the day with a slaughter. And then is like, that just shows how much I've grown. <laughs> <laughs> I love Anya. I always have and always will. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> like, she, if it wasn't for her coming in, I probably would have not stopped watching, but I wouldn't have been as religious about it. <laughs> so. What's crazy is, it's crazy, like, I do this podcast now and, like, I love, love Anya. But when I watched the show when it was on the air, I found Anya a little annoying. <laughs> Which feels insane to me because I love her so much now. But yeah, when I first watched it, I'd be like, she's kind of a little annoying. Um, like, I remember watching season six when Buffy has just come back from the dead. And Anya's like, why don't we tell her about our engagement? That'll cheer her up. And I remember watching that and being, like, annoyed. And it's like, <laughs> she just came back from the dead. Why are you doing this? But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Now I love her. And I'm, I'm no. like, oh, I understand. She's an ex-demon. Uh it's so funny that you say that because I remember rewatching it with all of our friends in Jersey and being like, I don't understand why they all love Anya so much. She's just annoying. Like, I felt <laughs> like at the point where Anya came in, I was like, oh, my God, I can barely stomach how annoying Dawn is. And now <laughs> Anya's here, too. But then rewatching it, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, she's such a great character. She really Anya has to, has to be there because, I mean, the season does get so, like, heavy and, and depressing and sad. Without Anya, there would be literally, like, Minimal jokes, yeah. if any. No? Yeah. It, it would be too much, right? It would be like, this isn't enjoyable, everyone's just sad. Yeah. Not only does she add relief, a lot of times she also is, like, outside of the groups, and she's the one who's, like, who's there for the audience to kind of process things, like, as a Greek chorus to talk about what's going on. Yeah. Like, uh, Cordelia. <laughs> <Okay>. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I also wanted to point out that so when Anya's saying that, uh, we get like a passing shot of Tara smiling at Willow, and Willow's not smiling because I feel like Tara, Tara and Anya both get way more development this season than they had before. Okay. Um, but I feel like Tara kind of understands Anya. Yeah, definitely. Like I feel like yeah, and Willow's more you know Willow very much doesn't like Anya. Yeah, you know, because they are kind of new to the group, and like they, uh, you know, and Tara, I always, I always felt like she's always kind of like looking for for a best friend, mm-hmm. you know? and she never really. I mean, she kind of got it with Willow, but like Willow's allegiance to Alexander um, and Buffy are gonna outweigh everything in her life always, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she was probably kind of hoping that her and Anya could be kind of like you know actually become friends because they are kind of separate, but they're still part of the group. But Tara never really felt like she fit into the group completely. Yeah. Um, and Anya doesn't really care either way because she's Anya. So <laughs> yeah, it's, Anya it's does like, not give a shit. <laughs> like, doesn't actually care what they're doing. <laughs> um, which also, I when they're like researching and talking about Glory, and Xander's like complaining about the research, and Anya's like, "Just do what I do. Flip through the pages and look busy." <laughs> exactly. She doesn't care. She just doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, she's just like, "I'm here for the money." And, <laughs> I have no other friends. Like, that's why I showed up. <laughs> and to have sex with Xander. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he's the only guy we know. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. This is fine. <laughs> so then we get Xander talking about where Glory probably is. Oh, she's probably, like, you know, in a sewer or rat infested warehouse. And mm-hmm. I love the cut to her laying. <laughs> so good. Um, you know, and like her being like, please call me Glory and get up. Looking at you is hurting my neck. She's, like, already annoyed at this, like, demon that's worshipping her. Uh, and I just... I, I feel like I've said this every episode with Glory, but, like, she's absolutely iconic. Yeah, uh, queen. It's fine. Like, right? <laughs> I, I get her. I don't like her hair, but I get her, you know? <laughs> <Dex>. <laughs> I think I said... Our episode with Amber, I was like, she, if this was like 2018, she would be a gay man and it would be perfect. Yeah, honestly, can we just like go reboot this right now? Like, I'm into it. Like, I already like her way better as a gay man. I'm sorry. <laughs> with uh, you playing man. Glory. I would be honored. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, an undead demon drag queen. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. I mean, I'm already there, but, you know. <laughs> uh, John, what did you say? I'm sorry, I cut you off. I. I couldn't help but see her watching it today, like to do my research as like Tinsley Mortimer, like from Real Housewives of New York. Yeah. Just like, oh my god, this is like exactly the same person. You know, <laughs> truly. Glory was always that. Like, I mean, my issues with Glory, with Glory were always just like superficial issues with her. It's like she's supposed to be this like glamorous, like you know, um, like rich-looking, luxurious kind of person. But like, I never felt that her fashion was actually that chic, even in the nineties. Like. Yes, there was, like, all the shoebox. But she... Like, it's like she only wore slip dresses, and she only wore, like, strappy pumps. And I'm like, girl, I don't... You, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Just, it all... was kind of, like, the most the most glamorous you could get on, like, the WB budget. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. They went to the Gap and just did what they could. I mean, it's fine. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I just always, she always kind of let me down because I always wanted more from her. But, you know, because she's kind of like taking that spot of Cordelia, but no one can take Cordelia's spot. I'm sorry. Um, no. I wanted so much more from her because she could have been a really amazing, completely iconic character, but she kind of falls flat in a lot of ways uh, just for me. I wanted just bigger, you know? Yeah. Well, I thought of you, John, because I thought of when she does her, what do you think of this pump? With the leg in the air, it was like totally Victoria Beckham, like yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, this is like foreshadowing for Victoria Beckham's future. It was like <laughs> John loves Victoria Beckham, in case you were uh, wondering. <laughs> and Victoria Beckham would be amazing I'm glory. Sorry. She would have been a great glory. She would have been a great glory. I oh mean, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we like, have to cut most of her lines, but she can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we go to Buffy's house where Spike is sniffing Buffy's clothes. Uh. Yeah. In a previous episode, we talked about, or I brought up how I think that the show goes into Twilight territory a little bit where it teaches us that, like, it's okay to fall for someone who's obsessed with you. Mm. And, like, it is not okay that Spike is has barged into Buffy's house and is smelling her clothes. Yeah, right? And is another reason to not like Spike. <laughs> <laughs> I I also think it's weird. I, I was curious what you guys all thought. Like, I feel like Riley kind of gets Spike's number immediately. Like, I feel like Riley doesn't seem too surprised that Spike is there sniffing Buffy's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> right? No. Like, he doesn't also really, like, tell him off for... Like, it more... It's more... He's actually more concerned that Spike is in Buffy's house and he doesn't actually call him out for like call for sniffing her things and being like, don't, if you I mean, like, I think that he knows that Spike might like her, but it's like, I would be like, dude, if you like someone, don't barge into their house and sniff their things. That's not okay. And also like, I'm her boyfriend. So like, fuck off. <laughs> like pay her $20 for them or subscribe to her only fans or something. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, I don't know, but it, it, it just falls into like, you know, the, um, like the datedness of the show. Like, like that's the one place I feel that Buffy is not completely timeless. And that like, it is that kind of like strong female character, but all of her relationships are with these guys who are pretty much terrible for her. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. And, and it's not the most sex positive, uh, message in any of it. Um, right. and she always ends up with like these guys who, yeah, you used to try to kill me literally. <laughs> but like gonna fall in love now, cool. What else? Like you know. Uh, meanwhile, you have Riley, who I don't even like Riley, but Riley started out as a nice guy at least. Yeah. And then he kind of went crazy because he was trying to be what he thought Buffy wanted him to be, which was literally a damaged boyfriend. And he became that. And she's like, "You're damaged. Go away." And it's like, but "Girl, like you literally fucked demons though." And now that he is almost like one, you don't want to be with him anymore. Where's, where's the balance? Like, what, like, how was Riley gonna ever win the situation? Like, I mean, was he just convenient, or, or was there actually something ever really there? You know. I, I mean, Matthew, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I think it's like I think in the in the realm of what they were showing that I think I think that they were trying to or like they were doing the biting also as like a metaphor for cheating because he was getting some kind of like sexual gratification out of it. So I think Buffy was more upset. That well, she was upset that I guess he had cheated because he was like basically getting sexual gratification from like another woman. But I do think that there's a part to it too that like Riley never felt dark enough for Buffy, and so he like was trying to kind of become the person that he that she um that he thought she wanted him to be. But it, there's always a difference, right? Like in between what we say what we want and what we end up wanting, because in a lot of ways, like Riley was supposed to be Buffy's normal boyfriend, but then he wasn't dark enough for her. Like she wanted the drama, she wanted the possession, you know, like all that. Yeah. Um, what I really like about this scene, though, is that Spike. I mean, and one of the things that we talked about a lot in like season four, like with Yoko Factor and things like that, is that Spike is really good at reading a situation and he tells Riley right away that he's not enough for Buffy. And it's like, 
those are the feelings that are creeping up in him. And Spike kind of spells it out, I think, in the first... uh, It's the first time we see someone else telling Riley, like, you are actually not enough for Buffy. And it's a really cool scene. Yeah, and because, like, Riley was already, like... He already had it in the back of his mind. But when someone actually, like, brings it to your face, you're like, oh, it is real. Like, (laughs) you know, so... Um, I kind of like that that um, aspect of it. I think we saw so much of that in this episode, though. Like, you know, it's very apparent with the conversation with Dawn later on. But, like, like you can tell that something's bubbling inside Riley and that, like, Buffy's not emotionally invested. Like, she's not – she doesn't want him to comfort her. Like, she just – she pushes him away constantly. And it's just, like – um, he feels it, and he. I think he knows that Spike sees it, and now everybody must see it because it's not just this thing he imagined. Right. Yeah. I, I do think that, yeah, Spike definitely plants that seed, but I, I don't think anyone else in the gang realizes it, honestly. Um, no. I, like, I, I mean, they all have their own stuff going well, on, so like... Yeah, like, I mean, like, Anya wouldn't care. Willow's obsessed with Xander and Anya's relationship regardless. Tara's silent. I mean, like... <laughs> No, no one noticed. Yeah, no one, no one even noticed the thing because Riley is really not there that much. It's like they all hang out without him all the time. <laughs> yeah, when we did when we recorded the episode "Family," which is like you know such a big deal for the theme of the season, and they're all there and they all defend Tara against her like evil family. Riley's not there, and like I forgot he's like not even in that scene, but he's still in the, on the show at that point. So it's crazy that he's not there. Oh. Kind of. I mean, I'm sure it was done on purpose because they were like, "Oh, we know he's not working." Let's not have him in this scene. Um, but so it's really weird that Riley doesn't mention any of it to Buffy. He doesn't mention, because you'd think you would mention, right? Like, oh, hey, someone, like, one of your enemies was in your bedroom sniffing your clothes. Um, yeah. But I do think he tries. And Matthew, this is where I will give Riley credit. Like, because Riley does, once he finds out, he kicks Spike out and then he just goes to the hospital and he doesn't. Like, make it a thing. He he just goes to be there for her, and I do give him credit for that. Because um, I might be a little hurt if I was, like, this person that, you know, my partner and them, they're always trying to kill each other, and he knew about it before me. I might feel, like, some kind of way, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, who, who even told Spike? Like, I mean, did he even mention who told him? Because he's said since, like, the night before, but... It had to have, it had to have been Buffy, because the episode before is uh, Fool for Love, where it ends with Spike going up to her and she's crying, and he's, like, gonna kill her, but then she's crying because her mom says she has to go in for Tess. Yeah, So, like, Buffy directly told him, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like would hurt even more, right? Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, then Riley goes there, and then Buffy asks him to watch Dawn, and I have to say, I, like, groaned because I was like, no, when Joyce hugs Buffy... And the acting Christine Sutherland is doing is pretty good when her voice cracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, the doctor said it's too early to, like, you know, be concerned. To worry. Yeah, I'm just like... (laughs) But it's not. But it's, yeah, it's not too early. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You're late, girl. Like, you're so late. Worry. Panic. (laughs) Yeah, everyone should be concerned. (laughs) Why is no one crying yet? (laughs) (laughs) And then... I didn't remember this until I rewatched it for today, but Tara's the one that's right about Glory. Like, she's the first one mm-hmm. under, because she's like, oh, you know, Glory predates the written word. And Giles, mm-hmm. like, realizes, oh, she's probably right. I love my like, baby girl being useful. Yeah. That's one thing I do like about Tara is that, like, they do kind of go with that still waters run deep theme with her, yes. like, all the time. Um, and yeah. 
the character there because everyone else kind of babbles and babbles and babbles and Xander says whatever Xander says and Anya's, you know, counting money and they all just kind of do whatever. But then Tara, like when she does speak, it's like, oh, that's the real shit though. Like, you know. (laughs) No, I think like what Matthew says about Spike and a lot of the outsiders of the group is sometimes they're more perceptive Mm -hmm. than the main group themselves. Well, it's like they all kind of came up together and they were they learned these things together so they see through a certain set of eyes and these outsiders always bring a different perspective. Yeah. That's true. Um, I also love... So the first scene with Lori, at the end of it, she's like ripping the ad, the Magic Box ad out of the phone book, which also feels very dated. Like every time they said phone book, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was alive during that time, but I'm still like, who is doing yeah. this? um but so like you know it kind of gives you the impression that like glory's gonna attack the magic box and i love that she's literally just a customer (laughs) yeah just shopping (laughs) it's like such a good like weed in moment i feel like because they're literally they're also talking about her they're like oh we'll never know like blah 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 and then she's right there Mm -hmm. and i kind of like that also she yeah she's like literally just a regular customer shopping she's not even like you know she's like "Uh uh-huh i want these but she's not overly rude. You know, she smiles at Giles. Uh, yeah. I kind of... Yeah. Because, you know, like, also they could have... I don't know, she could have made a scene, but, like, she doesn't need to. She's just doing her shopping and then going back home to her demons to raise a snake monster. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, no big thing. Just, yeah. you know, casual snake monster raising. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wanted to talk about... So Glory talked so much about how she hates the world... But she seems to enjoy the world when she's not complaining about how awful it is. Right? I, I think oh, she's totally. shopping is what she enjoys. I feel like <laughs> she just, like, really loves, like, just creature comforts. And, and, you know, because she is so ancient, she can really appreciate, like, the new stuff that comes out. She's like, oh, that's cool. That didn't happen 100 years ago. That's Fair. amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's not how I would be, at least. I mean, like, I mean, everything sucks, but these shoes are pretty cute. Like... <laughs> See, you're right. Glory is a drag queen. Glory is literally a drag queen. I mean, she's got a wig, but on that, I'm cool with it. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I actually put in my notes, maybe Glory indulges because those are the only things she thinks are good. Um, mm-hmm. And then I said I would listen to an entire TED Talk just on Glory. Just on Glory. I would love that. <laughs> um, and Buffy speaking to the doctor really fucking breaks my heart. I'm just like, mm. And Sarah Michelle Geller is, you know... I, she's so good at doing the, like, cry face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ, when that doctor's like, let's sit down, and she's like, no. And then she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. Like, she's just, like, backtracking because she just feels helpless. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm just like, my baby, my baby Buffy, I'm so sorry. And, like, I love those moments when, like, Buffy, um, you know, shows that she's still a young girl. Like, you know, I mean, like even though she can, you know, save the world and, and do amazing things, when it comes down to it, she's still, like, just an 18 year old girl who doesn't even, you know, know how to boil eggs or whatever. Like, you know, like like, she has all these other skill sets, but then when it comes to like, like, you know, we ask about like his mom, her mom's insurance and like, you know, cell phone use. And she's like, I honestly don't even know what you're talking about at all. Like, she's (laughs) like, cause you know, she didn't read the insurance packet because she didn't have to, because she's a teenager. Like, you know, right. Right. I I love those moments because it just makes her, um, more human and you feel bad for her, but also it's like, you can really relate to it because, you know, what kid, especially at that era, with with a mom like Joyce, ever had to worry about like the actual details of how things are actually you know running? Yeah, um, yeah, I just love it. And yeah, I mean, 
God, I'm 35 and I barely understand insurance. Like, <laughs> I know I read the packet like once. So here's where I'm adulting right now. I'm not doing a very good job at all. Like, <laughs> not to like be that girl, but like I was that kid in that situation. Like, I part of the reason I thought you wanted me to be on for this episode in particular is because like I was in Buffy's shoes completely, and like the, it happened before for it happened in Buffy's life before it happened in my life but like I remember watching this as a group and being like everyone being like on edge and nervous because there was going to be like a terminally ill parent and like it was so relatable for me like oh I've got like all the vapors because like I remember that I remember like medical people being insensitive and like just sort of being in a haze and just being like no cut to the chase like let's get this done like let's figure out what's happening because all we have to do is make things better, you know, like it was just so heavy and personal and like, it was great. It was just like, so powerful for me mm-hmm. uh, going back and watching it. Cause it was so relatable. That wasn't, oh. I don't want you to think that was why I had you on. I wouldn't have you on because of that, John. <laughs> I actually thought that afterwards. I was like, fuck, this might be like too much for John. I didn't want you to like, that was not why. <laughs> It could be worse. It could be the body. Um, (laughs) Lord. uh, (laughs) Welcome to John. Um, um, (laughs) uh, Now I'm flustered and don't know where I was in my notes. Matthew. (laughs) Well, I just want to add that. I mean, like it's because I've been there too. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was a doctor recently and how like doctors like are trained, but they are trained like to do all the medical stuff, but they're often like not trained to be humans. Yeah. And, um, but then it's interesting because, I mean, when you're watching it, I feel like the show is trying to present Ben as like a romantic option for Buffy sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's like, because the way he comforts her, it also feels like flirting. I don't know. Is that just me? Or does anyone feel it, it, like- got that haircut? I mean, like, I mean, it's the 90s. It's happening. Yeah, no, Ben definitely. I feel like they were kind of toying with the idea of him being like a pseudo romantic interest. Yeah. To kind of right. how that would develop when he comes out as, you know, also being Glory. See, she is a drag queen. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> because I also don't think, like, I don't know. I don't know if I would ever want to date someone who was, like, the intern at the hospital when my mom was dying. And, like, every time I look at him, I'm, like, remembering being in the hospital. Yeah. Like, to see my mom. Like, it's uh, weird. As as someone who is very easily swayed, especially when he's vulnerable, I could be, like, I could see myself being, like, this guy's really nice. Oh, yeah, I'd make some choices. I yeah. would definitely. Oh, totally. Make horrible choices. <laughs> Cut to me I... and him hooking up in the ho- the hospital bathroom. <laughs> yeah. That's normal, right? It's cool. Is this coping? I don't know. <laughs> well, Matthew, I very much felt the same way that it was like a romantic thing. And uh, I looked at it sort of like this complete stranger, this intern that Buffy barely knew, was like comforting her, her in a time where uh she wasn't even allowing riley to comfort her and like he knew what she needed with even though he was a complete stranger and it just reinforced like the distance between buffy and riley for me yeah Yeah. i could see that yeah and i almost feel like they they do with ben kind of like what they did with uh principal wood in season seven where it's like is this a love interest um Mm -hmm. and with the principal i feel like it was like oh you think it's gonna be like ben where he's like secretly evil and then he ended up not being i kind of like that just because i i buy that i buy that she would be like oh the stranger is comforting yeah i I buy that she might because riley isn't that good at comforting her and she is pushing everyone away like i don't Mm -hmm. think the group kind of knows the intensity 
but she doesn't let them know that she's feeling any kind of way. And they're all a little selfish in their own way. I would think Willow would be the one who knows the most. But Willow is there sometimes, um, like in Out of My Mind, when they find out R- Riley's heart is racing. Mm-hmm. Willow's there with Buffy and Dawn to help the mom back into the house when she's sitting down on the couch. It seems like Willow's the only one who's like a little bit more aware of it. So then... Oh, so then we get uh, Riley and Dawn at the carousel. And I don't know. I don't think what Dawn says is like really that crazy because... I don't know that her saying, oh, you know, Buffy was always crying over Angel is something to be jealous about. Yeah, right? Right? Like, I don't think Dawn says anything wrong. Like, I'd be like, oh, good. I don't make my partner cry all the time. I guess I am a little better. Right? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like with, like, Buffy and Riley's relationship, it's like, you know, it's one of those relationships that, like, that, like there is minimal drama, but Buffy totally feeds on that drama. So yeah. maybe he's questioning that, like, well, maybe that's what's causing the issue is that, like, we don't push the buttons the right way. And it isn't, like, this, like, crazy, epic love story. But at the sa- on the same hand, though, Buffy was, was with Angel. She was, like, 16. Yeah. So, I mean, like, emotions are going to be all over the place anyway. So, I don't know. Um, at the same time, she's still only 19 now. That's true. Yeah. God, I forgot but I think so I think that the thing that Dawn is saying, because I think that, like, I mean, everyone cries in relationships, and I feel like she, at this point she has cried over Riley, and she's just, maybe Dawn doesn't, it wasn't there for it, but... I think the larger point is that he feels like um, she has a lot of passion for Angel. Like, you're supposed to have, like, emotional ups and downs. And she's just saying that, like, I think he's taking away from it that, like, the relationship is just stagnant and it doesn't move Buffy to do to tears or to happiness or anything like that. Like, there's just no emotion behind it. Right. Yeah. It, like, to me, it was that she just wasn't as emotionally invested in the relationship. Hmm. That's fair. And I, she wasn't. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, she was. she's just not. Where Riley says, "What was it, Matthew?" The end of the replacement, where we get the Xander clone. That Riley just flat out says she doesn't love me. Yeah, yeah. And like, and Riley knows. Like Riley knows that. So I guess you're right. Like this is just kind of reinforcing all of that. Um, and I wanted to point out this season does a really good job with um, scenes like at the carousel where everything, where if you took it out of context, you wouldn't even know it was a supernatural show. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i feel like the season does a lot of good like there's a flat scene where people are just like delivering lines and it could be unlike any drama um and almost like there's not a lot of music playing um and it's just like people are saying things that are like upsetting and sad and characters are getting upset i do feel like there's a lot of that this season uh, and this carousel scene i thought was really good and the i do like the little um, story Dawn tells of the mom of Joyce running the carousel and how no friend showed up like that was kind of and it's also crazy to be like that never really happened fuck yeah <laughs> right because it would be she says it happened I mean she said it happened five years ago and that's when the series started and you're yeah. like no that's not what happened <laughs> Buffy was too busy jumping over gates in one fell heels in heels <laughs> 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 and i love uh when anya's looking at their like sales receipts Mm -hmm. and she's like hey 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 and is just yelling um i do really like i mean anya proves herself pretty useful in this season and i love that giles is like yeah i sold them and she's like what are you stupid or something uh 
Yeah. And I love the Xander moment though of him like you see how he like is trying to teach her to be human and how much she relies on him. Yeah. And he brings up and he says specifically like we brought up employee employer relations <laughs> and and not calling Giles stupid was like point number 5. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't think of someone who like as Xander sometimes as someone who could like make a list like that but it kind of shows how much she cares about her and is like yeah. really wanting her to, to adapt and succeed. Yeah, and I actually thought that little line was a really cool beat for him. Yeah, yeah. no, um, I I think Xander this season gets a lot of good things to do, um, but also Anya, like I keep going back to, which is one of my favorite Anya moments in the gift, when she's like, recommending things they do. She's like the Dagon Sphere, the Hammer, and she's like here to help, want to live because Anya does want. At the end of the day, she's mo- like Dax said, she doesn't care, but she's. She knows that, like, this is bad for the world, so in turn it would be bad for me if Lori did this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of like that she's... And, I mean, it makes sense. She's an ex-demon. She's been around for thousands of years. Of course she knows about all this shit. Uh, and I kind of just like seeing her thrive in that atmosphere. Uh, yeah, and I also love how quickly they all realize when Giles is like, well, the young woman I sold it to, and then they're all like, oh, fuck, it was Lori. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um... But so then we get the carousel scene, and then Buffy goes to the magic box, and they're all trying to, like, tiptoe around the fact that they know that Giles sold Glory the, like, whatever she needed to raise the snake monster. Uh, And I kind of really love Anya being like, oh, yeah, you know, my clumsiness, so clumsy, butterfingers. (laughs) Buffy's just like, what happened? (laughs) Uh, I feel like it's a really good Scooby moment. Um... And uh, when Anya whispers, Giles sold it to her, I, I just fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, and Anya mentions um, that, that you have like a warning label or something on the aisle. Certain times it should be sold together. And it's like, honestly, you probably should have had that in place already. Right? Yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> Only place in town that sells actual mystical, powerful items, as well as literature on said items. Maybe we should have, like, a system in place. Yeah, you shouldn't just be able to walk in and, like, you know, get all the I of Newt you want and then, like, end the world. That shouldn't be an option here. <laughs> right. It's bad business management, I feel. So. <laughs> get it together, Giles. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then then we get Glory at the zoo. Uh, I, always, I think of her chill worm line. I don't know. I just really like her delivery with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's weird is I specifically remember, because so season five is when I, like, really got into Buffy. Um, and then, like, I started, I think, like, mid-season five is when I started having, like, my dad set the VCR to tape episodes. Oh. Because I remember walking in to the kitchen, because my mom watched Buffy, and I remember watching, specifically, like, walking in to this moment, and my mom being like, I hate this woman, I want Buffy to kick the crap out of her, I hate how strong she is, and watching the, like, fight between Buffy and Lori in the zoo, and kind of, like... Buffy does get her ass kicked repeatedly by Glory. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I But I I don't know. I kind of like a villain that's, like, especially after five seasons, I feel like Glory's an earned villain. Yeah. Um, right? I mean, like, character-wise, I'm not in love with her, but, I mean, I see her, I see, like, the reason why, you, you know, they would put, like, literally a goddess yeah. up against Buffy because, I mean, like, she's already done everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, she needs, like, that kind of challenge to, like, really push the show forward. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would just be repetitive, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
and also Matthew, I thought you would, I thought you would probably have something to say. I really actually like the Riley Xander interactions we get in the first, the beginning of this season. And Xander is right when he's talking to Riley in the magic shop, right? Um, in regards to which, which thing that he when says. he's like telling him when Xander's telling him how reckless it was, I almost feel like this season Xander has a better understanding of one his place in the group. And two, that Buffy is the superhero. Buffy, there's only one Superman slash Wonder Woman slash Captain America in town, and it's Buffy. Yeah. Like, it's not anyone else. And Xander Xander weirdly gets that, and he has to give Riley almost like a talk to be like, hey, you need to kind of chill and know your place in the group. But not even that harshly. He's just kind of like, don't get killed. Buffy's good on her own. Well, yeah. it's funny because I also think that, like, Xander knows... Xander is actually being a really good friend to Buffy when he talks to Riley. Because I also yeah. think he's trying to be like, listen, you... Like, Buffy is not into toxic displays of masculinity. And, like, they really turn her off. And, like, <laughs> you don't need to, like, act like you need to be the one to save her. Like, that's not... Of all the things that you might think that she wants you to be, like, lowest on the list is, like hero guy she really yeah. doesn't respond well to that Absolutely. And, and, and riley you know he uh, he is always emasculated by buffy because buffy is so much better at his job than he is and i mean like he tries to play it like he's like i'm not bothered but he's totally bothered the whole <laughs> time and, and xander kind of learned um that like that, that, that dichotomy like 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 you know when they were in high school xander might have like thought that he could be like the guy who like swoops in and actually like saves buffy but then he was like oh wait no she's got it it's fine like it kind of took him a minute to kind of take that back seat and realize that we're never gonna date she doesn't need me to save her um guess i'll just sit here wearing a tropical shirt and make funny jokes sometimes like it's cool like it's fine <laughs> it took him a minute to get there though well it's funny because like what the whole point of the series is like buffy is saddled with all this strength mm-hmm. and she and this like job career calling whatever and like she doesn't need some guy trying to like outstrength her or prove because like to her her she didn't ask for all this and she doesn't need some guy then trying to be like oh but i'm even stronger and tougher it's like no that's like you completely are missing the point yeah it's like it's like she would give it to you at harvard if she could like she would she would do it but she can't so she's got to just do her job she doesn't need you to like you know try to like outmask her right now ever you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I, I do like seeing Xander mature. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I do really appreciate that because that is realistic that, like, maybe a 16-year-old doesn't get that shit. But, like, I mean, granted, at 19, I still didn't get that shit. But, like, for someone who has, you know, gone through some demon battles to, like, finally get it. Um, and it feels organic, I guess. As organic it can feel in, like, a show about fighting demons. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, you know, Glory sends the snake out. Also, I wanted to point out, it feels like it's different. It's like a different time of day every time there's a new scene. <laughs> yeah. Because I definitely I definitely thought the zoo was at night, but then she walks to the magic box and it's like completely They were daytime. in the reptile house, so it was just dark in there because reptiles like it dark, apparently. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, I... I... <laughs> uh, but so getting the snake slithering around Sunnydale, I was like, oh boy. Oh my God. <laughs> I was so distracted by the terrible snake. First the rubber snakes. <laughs> right. 
the thing in the zoo and then that thing slithering around. I was like, there's like no continuity between this like foam latex and the computer animation. Like it was just mind boggling. <laughs> it was very like 2000 budget. <laughs> Didn't he have arms? I feel like he had arms too. Yes. Like, I was, like yes. how does a snake monster develop arms? I mean, I get we're using magic here and he's a giant snake, but when did he grow arms though? <laughs> like that part of no. My favorite arms, part is that he had like... arms and then never really used them. Like, he didn't grab Dawn or do anything. Like, I was like, aren't you going to use them if you have those big buff arms, Mr. Snake? <laughs> <laughs> big buff arms, Mr. Snake. Also, he... He's a pretty ripped snake, let's be honest. He, like... does, he does use them. He uses them once, and it's when he enters the magic box... And he knocks over a, a shelf like a baby, angry at its mom. He's just like, no, get the shelf out of here. <laughs> and like Buffy can't. I mean, they do this sometimes where it's like, it's a wooden shelf. Buffy would very easily be able to like swipe it away from her. But she's like trapped under it for a second while it, while the, while the snake and Dawn have their iconic scream off. <laughs> <laughs> Because the show is just Michelle Schreckenberg screaming on stuff. That's the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel like that scene is like so very like beginning of season five. Like nothing's happening right now. So Dawn and the snake are literally screaming at each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> commercial. <laughs> like, and Dawn wins. Like then the snake goes away. <laughs> um, and like I get that they're all definitely surprised. But it's weird that if Buffy's... For whatever reason, if Buffy's incapacitated by this wooden shelf, that, like, I'm not saying they need to fight the demon, but, like, just grab Dawn since she's, like, a kid. Just be yeah. like, come behind the counter or, like, come up this ladder with Anya and Xander. And everyone just kind of, like, looks at her. <laughs> Watch <it> just <laughs> Like, if I were Dawn, I'd be like, are you guys fucking kidding me? None of you tried to, like, get me out of the way? <laughs> like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that no one, none of them know yet that Dawn is the key because when Willow and Tara stand up, Willow's like, why was the snake scared of Dawn? And also it's weird that the snake didn't, you're right, Dax, like use those arms and just grab her and bring her to glory. Yeah, I mean, they're already going back through anyway. Yeah. Uh, they're like eight times her size. Buffy's under a bookshelf, so we're good. Like, I mean, yeah. Just, just didn't go. <laughs> glory might not murder you instantly now. So, <laughs> um, so then we get which is very unlike Buffy when they jump in Giles's car. Um, there's like a car chase and there's almost never a car chase in Buffy. Right. Um, I feel like they didn't have the budget for a car chase ever. Uh, no. <laughs> they did not. Have they that did budget. not. Uh, but I appreciate them trying with those alleys. Uh, and I do love, then we, like you said, glory. I love her just throwing her boxes of shoes at her minion. Done it. It's super awesome. Feels great. <laughs> Highly would recommend. Uh, I appreciate, like, I don't know, she's just being as dramatic as she fucking possibly can. Um, Claire Kramer's delivery almost, it feels like, I love her delivery, and Joe Reed said in her first episode he thinks she would have gotten an Emmy nom if this were, like, in 2018. But I, I, she always is good at delivering it. Like she's in command, but she's also ready to have a nervous breakdown if she yeah. doesn't like get what she Literally wants all the time. Because yeah. she's what a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost too uncanny. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. One of the things I didn't I didn't mention about when um, Glory goes to the zoo and pulls out the very rubber snake <laughs> from the oh, zoo <laughs> window. <laughs> yeah. 
I know Buffy has not really come up against a lot of things yet that she can't fight. But her just, like, running in there alone and thinking that she'll start beating up Glory is, like, a little misguided. <laughs> right? <Yes>. Like, <laughs> you, I mean, I know you think that you've trained, like, I guess she's had two training sessions since she last saw Glory. But, like, the, the, the magnitude to which you had your ass kicked does not warrant you just running into a zoo and starting to pound on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and also she achieves nothing. She gets beat up. And, you know, she might as well have not run there because a snake still gets loose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do understand. I feel like they're really showing us, which, I mean, is mo- very much explored in season seven, her, like, loner bullshit where, like, she's like, I have to do this. I have to do it on my own. And acts as though she hasn't been working with a group of, like, witches and whatever for the last few years. Uh <laughs> But it's like it's like Buffy also like you know she left the hospital like 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 that's how she processes stuff. It's like she punches things when she can't figure it out with yeah. her brain. Yeah, like she is that person. So I mean like her going to confront Glory was more her therapy and her dealing with um, the diagnosis for her mother and um, the potential of what's happening in the future. So she's like, I need to go punch something real quick. Excuse me. That's yes. all she's really doing. She wasn't actually going to try to kill Glory because, you know, she has no clue how to do that. That's uh, but if she can punch someone's face in for a little while, she'll feel better in theory. So <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, Matthew, actually the thing I thought you were going to point out when you said the rubber snake is when Glory like throws Buffy across the room and she's like crashes into one of the other snake pits. There's clearly a rubber snake on the ground that like she lands on. <laughs> it's just like yeah, in no. there. And I just want to know why no zoo staff <laughs> was there. Yeah. Like, 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 like someone has broken into one of the animal cages and stolen a cobra. Like, like there's no alarm. What are the hours for this zoo? <laughs> like, what are we doing <laughs> Yeah, they went to, like, the lengths of, like, giving us a new set, but didn't, like, want to have to deal with other actors. Because, like, at least, like, 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 like with, with the, with the, uh, the, 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 the demonic hyena situation, um, in, like, what, like, season one or whatever? Yeah. Like, at least, like, they were like, this building is under construction. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, no one's gonna be here because there's clear signs saying, please don't enter this building. At least give me that. Like, at least give me, like, a reason why there's literally no one else in the zoo besides Glory and some guys with bumpy faces. Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> is this too out of construction? Is it nighttime? Like, I need some context clues here. Like, something would be great for me. Um, so the car chase is happening, and then we get Dawn, uh, Dor- Glory throwing her shoes, and I do, you know, she's like, what about my time? And her being like, tick frickin' talk is just so good. I just love it. <laughs> and then we get Buffy. She catches up to the snake demon, and there's like, it's like weirdly emotional watching her beat the snake demon to death. Yeah. Um, because like you said, Dax, that's like how she handles things when she doesn't know what else to do. She punches it. So she punches the shit out of that snake. (laughs) And at the end, I don't know if you all noticed, like as they're panning away, it's like very clearly she's punching something that's rubber because it's like bouncing. (laughs) (laughs) I always, I really like that scene too, because I feel like 
there's so much going into the violence, like the, the way that Sarah Michelle Gellar is playing it. It's very much like she's so frustrated that her mom is sick that she's also like getting in. It's almost like in season three when she gets mad at Faith for living large on that vampire. She's honestly like really living large on the snake. And every time I watch that scene, I'm always thinking about how like she had to do it to protect Dawn. And she's mad that her mom is sick. And like there's actually a lot of emotion going into when she's punching it. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, I, kidding. I get teared up when I watch her beat the crap out of a snake, and I'm like, "What? What silly? Like, imagine me telling someone, oh, you know what? I cry at when Buffy punches the snake monster.' <laughs> 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 I mean, you know what? It's relatable. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> Although, I guess John, most of the things that I say I cry at are absurd things like that, right? It could be anything. <laughs> yeah, I um. I cried at Spider-Man 2 one time. Uh, <laughs> the Tobey Maguire one, Dax. No, Andrew Garfield, thank uh, you. Oh, <laughs> don't worry, I cried at that too. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it was just so bad. No, <laughs> that movie's like garbage, and then I, cried. I was like, this is stupid, and then I'm sobbing at the end, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's a whole different podcast, so I probably shouldn't go into that, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> back to Buffy, shall we? <laughs> um, so then she goes back to the hospital, and... I I do feel, I just feel so bad for Buffy because her fucking mom has, quote-unquote, a shadow. She has this goddess up against her. her. She found out her sister isn't real, and she's just, like, trying to keep it together. Um, and I don't know, I, like, this is where I get lame and sincere, but that's why Buffy's my hero, because she, like, constantly deals with, like, a hundred fucking shitty things at once, and... She deals with it, like maybe not in the most healthy way, but like who deals with things in a healthy way? Who has the time? <laughs> yeah, and she still saves the world about it. I mean, if I'm being unhealthy, I'm not saving the world also. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, when Riley's like, you can let it out, and she says, I can't let it out because then it'll never stop. And that's like the end of the fucking episode, and it's like, God, shit yeah. is grim. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then it even leads to like, I mean, the next episode, which is also fucking grim, where the mom's like, where I think you find out it's cancer and it like gets worse, and then there's a bug demon in their house. Like Jesus, no. I just feel bad for for Buffy, my my special favorite. Okay, so now we have to do the important part. Uh, <gasps> favorite outfit, Dax. Favorite outfit? Oh yeah. jeepers! Um, all I, remember, all I can remember is Glory's outfit. That's all I remember anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, I hated the mules in the first scene um i did not like her strappy sandals with stilettos that happened later didn't she break a heels episode but didn't that happen yeah no she breaks her yeah. heel and oh, like, snapped a heel off and it's like well yeah if you buy cheap shoes girl that's gonna happen <laughs> um, but other it's, than when that, it's, it's in like the it's an episode where um buffy disco- t- discovers about the key because she's like stomping her foot on the ground and yeah, she breaks that was her heel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as favorite goes, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> all right, jo- uh, John. favorite but- outfit. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite thing, my favorite item of clothing in the entire episode was Riley's mock turtleneck to hide his vampire bites. Um, <laughs> I wanted that mock turtleneck so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh wait, so we forgot to even talk about the fact that he gets bitten by Sandy, the vampire that Vampire Willow sired in season five, uh, season three. Um, is that 
was. And also, um, what at the very end when he goes to visit her in the hospital, he's wearing a turtleneck to cover up his hickeys slash vampire bites. <laughs> That's what John just said, Matthew. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. It's such a weird callback, but it's the same actress that Vampire Willow bites in the bronze in season three. Is that in Doppelganglin? Yeah, yeah. That is a weird... I, when you were... Because you've brought her up before yeah, when we yeah. talked about her. And I was thinking about, like, the little characters the show brings back, like Chanterelle. And I'm always like, Sandy is so weird to bring back. I, right? She really <laughs> is. <laughs> um, and in season six, they, like, bring back some college... Some kids from their one of their college classes, too. Um, yeah, it's a weird thing that they do. But I feel like Joss always liked doing that. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, it's just, like, it's weird to do it because it felt like... Did Sandy have a name when she was in season three? Probably not. I don't even think she did. Yeah, I think she had because because when she brings when they bring back Chanterelle, she says her name in season two, so it feels like oh, she's a named character. Like I don't mind it as much. Yeah, yeah. This is really weird to do it with her. Um, I always wonder if like Joss did it or if it's like oh, they just the casting director was like oh, I liked that person. We're gonna bring that person back in. I'm sure it was a. I'm sure Joss did it on purpose because you know he's always about like you know re you know reusing actors and characters. He wants to keep the world like contained and connected. You know, yeah, that's, true, that's true. But I'm glad I, I I didn't I didn't put it together at all. But I kind of love it. Yeah. So. so weird. Um, Matthew, did I ask you your favorite outfit? I don't think I did. No, I was actually going to say that whenever I think of Glory, besides the finale dress the the red pleather one that she wears in this episode is one that i often remember for some yeah. reason so i'm gonna say that all right i'm gonna go with i really i mean i like glory's like pleather dress um but i really like buffy and her like purpley top that's like sleeveless and a little flowy and her hoops because i love the hoops and the long mm-hmm. hair um that's my favorite outfit um favorite scene john Oh God! Um, I think my favorite scene is uh, in the magic shop when they're talking about um, like the demon that Glory can summon, and they mention Anya's fear of bunnies. Or Xander says something about oh, yeah. a cult of uh, bunny worshippers, and Anya's like, "Oh, you know, thanks for the nightmares." <laughs> um, it just makes my heart happy. <laughs> Dax. Yeah, literally anyone with, anyone with Anya, always. Um, I was going to bring that one up too, but you already did, so it's fine. I will agree. <laughs> That's mentioned because Anya doing anything makes me happy. So, <laughs> Matthew? I'm actually going to say um, that scene too, just like the scene where they all have to kind of tell Buffy that they sold Glory the stuff, just because everyone... I think in that scene is firing really well, like in terms of acting and just what they're trying to do. Like yeah. it's cause Anya and Xander are really good, but then also Giles like trying to protect Buffy from some really harsh information and Buffy being like, guys, I may like my mom is sick, but I'm still the slayer. Just like tell me so I can do my job. Everyone's doing it really well. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I actually said that my favorite, I had a lot of like scenes I really liked in this episode. Um, but mine is them talking about glory and then Glory being right behind Giles and them just, like, him selling it to her, smiling at her, and then they go right back to discussing, we could never know who Glory is. Who knows where she is? Um, that's my favorite, just because it's really ridiculous, but works. All right, so now we grade the episode. Uh, Dax, what do you grade this episode? I mean, I'm going to give it a good solid B. 
Okay. It's not an amazing episode, but it's got a lot of really good moments and a lot of good development. This is not my favorite, my favorite season of Buffy like at all. Um, but in terms of the season, I like it because it moves the story along well without giving everything away, but also giving little hints, mm. wrapping it all kind of up and allowing it to kind of move forward as well as build on what already happened. All right, all right. Uh, Matthew, what do you grade it? I really don't like this episode and actually when i watched it again i came to dislike it more for some (laughs) reason which i didn't think was going to happen um so i'm going to give it a b minus okay but in fate but in danger of being a c plus okay john um i'm also going to give it a b um i i felt like there were like little gems from like each of the characters and i felt like it was kind of important uh if that snake had been a little bit better i might have given it a better grade but uh yeah (laughs) overall um i actually also give it a b i think it has really good moments um but overall i think this episode and the next episode listening to fear that are mostly concentrating on buffy dealing with joyce are Mm. kind of like really big downers and not like there are two episodes that i probably usually skip or don't pay attention to as much when I do a rewatch of season five. Uh, so yeah, I give it a B. I, I actually was the opposite of you, Matthew. I liked it more this viewing than I remembered liking it, but I still just give it a B. So I feel like we're all kind of on the same page. Uh, all right. So thank you both for being on. Thanks for um, having us. Thank you so much. If you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow Matthew, he is at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. If you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at Ian X Carlos. And Dax, where can people find you? I can be found on all social media platforms at, at Dexclamation, D-A-X-C-L-A-M-A-T-I-O-N, as well as Dexclamation.net, and at your local bar, um, drinking heavily, normally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> by me and john, john. and uh you can find me at uh hey john k across all social media platforms yay yay um, thank you for listening today and thank you to both of our guests for being here yeah and we'll see you guys next week bye bye, bye.